0: What is up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Viles. You are rocking with Viles Movie Files. Gunner, you just scared me with that thought right before we shot. We mentioned the Dream Team and how what a big deal that was for those of us who who remember the only team that needs to be called the Dream Team. Correct. And that was literally like a Hall of Fame and Christian Leitner, who was the Hall of Famer.
1: I'm so glad you said that.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, because at the time, it was like, Leitner, Shaq. And you could have made a strong case for either one of them. But I think Leitner was more accomplished, more distinguished than Shaq, who hadn't won anything in college basketball at the time. Clearly, we look back like, how in the world are they going to take Leitner over Shaq? But Leitner, if you're going to choose one college kid, he was the guy. 'Cause Grand Hill wasn't quite there yet, but I get it. So anyhow, that was the dream team and it was so much fun watching them obliterate teams. It was the only time where I was I was happy to watch basketball blowouts. Um it's good stuff. But yeah, just thinking the kids now watching these guys who are currently representing USA basketball not winning. And it's just like, whew, this is the difference between Hall of Famers and guys who get a pinky scratch and go, oh, I need load management, or where's my file? Speaking of, what's up, little brother? How are you? I'm
2: good, man. How are you?
0: Good. Let's just jump in. Space Jam, A New Legacy, since we're talking basketball right now. This film comes out Friday on HBO Max and in theaters, if you so choose. I'm choosing to watch it on HBO Max because I don't even go to a theater to see this movie. Um, the, the reviews so far are quite mixed. Some are saying original titles like it dunks on the original. Um, yeah. And others are saying it's devoid of energy, light, wit, and charm. And I'm kind of like, I wonder which way this basket is going to drop with this one. Because the concept is kind of goofy anyway. And if you go in expecting an Oscar or Emmy winning performance from one L. James, I think you're watching the wrong movie. And this really is one of those deals that's intended for kids. So I always try to lower my expectations. Are you guys going into this? Want to see it? I think we all have HBO Max. So knowing that, are you going to watch this? Negative. And that, that's a no from you too,
2: Jace, huh? No, I, you know, it's Friday. Uh, I'm wor- I mean, it's, it, it's, it's one of those fun things. Like does this space jams redux merit a work in the background. Maybe you'll chuckle occasionally while you're working from home. I think so. Like it's, I, so I probably will have it on. I mean, if I, I mean, as long as I remember it's, you know, the new thing on HBO Max during the day, not at night, I'm, I'm, I'll probably watch it.
0: I think it's interesting. I was at Target the other day and I saw uh, two kids and they weren't black for context. And they had uh, LeBron James Space Jam figures. And I was like, that's cool. So little kids are already excited about this to some extent, just off of trailers. And, um, yeah, I just think it's interesting because I am very much like if you were going to remake a movie for kids, Space Jam is probably a good one because of the super advances in technology. It's too bad 3D is not a thing anymore because I think this would have been something that would have been really cool to take advantage of 3D and go to the theaters and see like you know them coming off the screen the dunk on you or whatever and especially the looney tune characters like you know daffy just gets exploded and he's zooming in and out of the screen that would have been fun i mentioned that because i watched resident evil afterlife a film that actually made really good use of its 3d and i didn't have this on the list but since i mentioned it i i finished watching the resident evil films and I say finished I didn't watch the final chapter and because that movie's trash and awful and I'm never gonna watch it again yeah Jason
2: okay I just watched uh the final chapter and after watching after knowing what happened because I remember watching it the first time being. let, let
0: me let me set it up first because i will I'll, I'll let you get back to it okay <laughs> So I was thinking, you know, I own these movies so clearly there's a level of like involved here. I mean I wouldn't I don't think I bought any of them outside of afterlife and what is the fourth or fifth one? Retribution. I think it's retribution. Retribution's Vegas. Gosh no. No, I think that's extinct.
2: No, 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 no. Retribution is the one is the one in book, uh, uh, Russia. Yeah. So Afterlife and Retribution.
0: Those are the really good alternate universe kind of Resident Evil films. And I was thinking as I watched them each one, right, I was doing one a night. I was saying, hey, that, was, that wasn't bad. I think the first one really does the best job of feeling like a video game, capturing the tone of the video game. The technology and the special effects really seem dated, though. Not in a bad way. It's just they seem like products of their time. And... They did a really good job setting up the whole zombie thing in Raccoon City. And I was looking forward to it when it ended. And I didn't feel like this movie sucks because Chris and Jill and Claire and Leon aren't in it. But as the series progresses, I feel like they really start to neglect those, those video game characters while keeping Alice front and center. And then it becomes this thing of, even when we introduce Jill, no, not Jill. After Leon. Chris, Leon, Claire they can't yeah. have a moment without Alice slow motion stepping all over it it is the r- most ridiculous thing because I'm watching it like ah, you know, I forgot most of what happened right? all I remember is Star Power Traces it's like one of the best parts in, in movie history for me for different reasons but um, they're fun movies I think the third one is probably the worst of the movies that I've watched again Just because they introduce cool characters from the second one, and they kill them off in this whack fashion. Like, I hate the way LJ dies. I hate the way Ashanti dies. No! I'll go in the back of the bus and help this dude. Like, trash. Why are we killing Ashanti? One. Two. This is the lamest way. She just closed the door. That bus driver is bird food. Um, and then, let's give Alice superpowers. Terrible decision. Like, I don't know why we needed to give somebody padded with bubble wrap in a zombie movie powers.
2: Hey, it worked for Brad Pitt?
0: No. And no. And and she just walks around the whole time like she's just invulnerable anyway. And it's just no drama anytime Alice is on screen. But I like the fact that you never know when characters are gonna kill. But I call I was like, I text Jace, gunner, because I just finished watching Retribution and I needed to vent. So it was either just talk out loud in the basement to myself as I work through this. and have my wife going, who was he talking to? Or talk to my brother. And my brother didn't pick up. He was like, yeah, I'm busy doing my life. So I was like, fine, I'm just going to have to vent this out. Retribution ends with a big fight with Michelle Rodriguez. You know, like a clone of her. And she's got like these super amped up powers like they all seem to. And, and then we have Jill, who's like the only character in this entire saga who's allowed to get anything, on Alice and look cool beside Alice, where it doesn't need an asterisk, and then Alice something. Jill just does her thing, right? So Alice and Jill are fighting. That's a good battle. And then we got my man, Luther, played by Boris Kojo, fighting the amped-up Michelle Rodriguez. She does her special finisher, fatality. She does the heart punch, and it just shuts him down. He dies immediately. And I'm like, man, that sucked. I wasn't expecting that, because I like Luther. He's a black dude, and, you know, the series had made a habit of killing off every black dude, everything, in every movie. But he was cool, and I liked his character. And, you know, if we're not going to stay so devoted to the video game stuff, a guy like Luther is good to have, just like Oscar and LJ. LJ was okay. But I mean, you know, those, those characters, like, we're not going to use our regular ones for the, for the video games. These guys are cool. And then they just pissed me off. Like, if I could reach into my screen and just throttle everybody. Because Alice then fights Michelle Rodriguez. She takes so much damage from fighting Jill that she should be worn down anyway. But then she takes the exact same fatality finisher that kills Luther. And it's like, Nah, dude, I'm not dying.
2: I mean, we watch her, head. Jeff, you forgot the one thing. She doesn't have, in this movie, she no longer has superpowers.
0: Ooh, that's That's the whole thing. I'm like, superpower, I'm not, this is an issue. i just be like, this is why Alice having
2: superpowers sucks.
0: Alice with no superpowers, like, oh, come on, dude. I mean, if they had just taken the time to snap Luther's neck, I would have had no problem. But she does the exact same thing that kills the bigger dude, and all of a sudden he falls like a ton of bricks at him. And Alice is like, "No, nah, let's keep fighting." It's terrible. And this was foreshadowing of how bad the final chapter was. And it's like, "Yo, let's give Alice superpowers again,
1: and
2: yeah, we're gonna kill off everybody off-screen too. We're not off- even gonna—we're gonna, do it. Off- we're gonna screen, kill off-screen." Right. Off Yeah, that was was when it was like, really? All these guys, at least we, you know, hey, we got Leon, we got Ada, we got uh, Wesker, all of them in the White House. And then the next movie, it's like, they're all dead. Yeah, by the way, they're all dead. They're all dead. Just anybody dead. Just Alice now has her superpowers because we need her to go back to Raccoon City and not kill everybody.
1: Okay, so
0: since I'm never going back to this movie, you watched it. Final chapter. Is there any sign of, re- of redemption in this movie?
2: With that problem, it is did you really need to kill him? No. Is it in the same vein as the rest of those movies? Yes. I didn't hate probably the ending as much as I hated it the first time I watched it. But then again, it's still like, okay, so now she doesn't have superpowers again. She should be as dead as everybody else. Like, There's no... Stop He's like, if your humanity's, I'm sorry, the the antivirus is actually out, you actually don't need to go out and kill things. It'll just eventually work itself out. You don't need to go out and kill the random flying zombie dragon, which made no sense at all. But, but there's, I mean, we're just like, even when they like previewed it at the end of Retribution, like, what?
1: Well, Where did that come from? Like, can we know. have a I
2: mean, at least have that like a little baby dragon in uh, Umbrellas Academy before we start doing some random own ridiculous... Thing. Not
0: Umbrella Academy.
2: That's a whole different thing.
0: Yeah, I know, and, <laughs> I mean, you know uh, Maybe they could have had Alice yelling Jakaris, and that would have just totally went full circle for it. Retribution is a fun movie until literally the point where they kill Luther off. And it is right. close to the end, and it's like, alright, whatever. Barry has some weird death scene... And then he doesn't die, and he's like, I to fight for like 15 more minutes after what seemed like a fatal killing blow. But, I mean, it's fun. And you can tell that they kind of sort of play the video games. Like they have lost a lot to show up. They do stuff where it's like, okay, you guys have a passing knowledge of it.
1: The only problem
0: is they don't understand that they should focus on these other characters and not give every highlight to Alice. And it's just whack because of that.
1: I mean, like I said, I
0: have them, I like them enough, but by far the best Resident Evil movies in my collection are the two animated ones. Let's talk, I'm trying to decide if i want to go positive or negative. Which way should I go, gunner? <laughs> J'cars. J'cars. Let's Let's burn it to the ground. So, <laughs> last night, The Flash had its uh, 750th episode. And the thing that had me the most excited about it was at the end when it said, stay tuned next week for the second half of the season finale. And I was like, yes! It's almost over! This season has been so terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. They have done things that I have been begging for them to do since season one. They have not had one main villain They have broken up story arcs. They have done things like three or four episodes. They've introduced various subplots. Team Flash isn't all together every time. It's not about, let's help Barry figure out he needs
1: to run.
0: People have agendas. They've had things to do that have become subplots. And somehow, it's still been awful. I don't understand it. This episode, this one was just, oh my... Gracious. I just don't get it. How bad and why so much is wrong. So it starts off, we have Impulse show up. And Jordan Fisher plays Impulse. And after maybe 10 minutes of watching him on screen, I thought he would have made a very good Wally West. Because he understands how to be serious, but he can still be fun and bring that kind of playful element and he looks younger than Wally, unlike Keonsdale Lonsdale, who basically look like the same age as Barry back in those, what, season three when he was still around. They also desperately need to recast Wally because I'm tired of them. Oh, everything's going haywire. It's so problematic. But Wally's off tanning, or he's in the psychic plane meditating. It's like, dude, come on, pick up your phone, Wally. Help your sister and brother-in-law. I mean, why? Why is this a
2: thing? Recast him. Recast Ralph. Should not he actually see a disturbance in the Speed Force? You know, hey, somebody's draining all the Speed Force. Like, because I thought his last episode was, hey, the Speed Force is dying, so he knew something was wrong because he had meditated with the Legends and learned how to commune with the Speed Force, and he's like, yeah, hey, I'm good. Y'all got that? Oh, I'm, I'm my nephews and nieces are coming from the thirty. 30- mean. Forty years yeah, I got that. Uh, speaking, speaking, speaking of niece and
0: nephew, I don't know why the writers have decided that Harry and Iris are crazy psychopaths. I don't get this, but they have deluded themselves into thinking that the speed, the still, the strength, the psycho psychic force. Can create people that are their children, and they're like, oh, well we're part of it, we're a family now. You're our children. That was crazy. That was that made no sense to me. And they seem like crazy people. And nobody in the writers room apparently blinked when this was coming up. They're like, yes, this sounds awesome. They are their kids. No, they're not. They're actual people. Like we've seen, uh, a In her alter ego. We've seen Dion. He is probably older than Barry and Iris because he was around in the 90s as a teenager. So that's also weird. Not quite as weird as another alternative timeline version of a possible daughter, Nora, and her possible brother, Bart, coming. And you guys go, oh, our kids! This could literally mean... Barry and Iris have 5 billion or 52 kids running around in this CW verse And if that is the case, why won't they just bring back Oliver so he can save the Arrowverse? Bring in Black Lightning. Come back to us. Make everything better. Who else got killed? Uh, Firestorm. Let's bring Whoa. Professor Stein. I mean, why are we focusing on this? And why can't we just have Death be Death? I know this is a comic book show, so why am I complaining? But please make sense of this for me.
2: What you? Uh Since I had to suffer through that episode, I'm going to take a quick jab at that. It doesn't make sense. Like, the fact that I, 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 I said I watched it for like five minutes, and then they showed Jay Garrick back. I'm like, hey, guys, remember Crisis where Jay Garrick sacrifices himself? To beat the anti monitor on the cosmic treadmill?
0: Oh, man, I mean, that wasn't Jay. That was.
2: That was.
0: That was 90s Barry time
2: Allen. Time. Yeah. That was. Oh, a okay. That was. 90s. Okay. Oh, that. that, 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 that kind of. I, I mean, again, the same actor, so it's kind of. Okay. I, I space on that. Okay. Now, without that, it was just like, okay. I, I, I still don't understand why you need to have Art Allen, but, the, like, I think I kind of agree with you. Is energy? He actually is like, hey, he wants a little more impulse. I mean, he's not a kid, which you probably need impulse to be. Like, probably about as tall as uh, Jessica. I mean, actually, you probably need him as about as tall as Cecile is, maybe an inch taller, because Cecile looks probably like four eleven to make it look like they are actually a kid. But he actually is like, hey, know, he played a good role. I just don't I, What I don't understand is like at the end of the season finale, we created. We actually are now getting our first real glimpse of Godspeed. Are you guys gonna wrap it up in the first episode and then try and figure out what the hell we're doing again, or are you gonna make Godspeed a thing that's actually like drags on, you know, beside this war of uh, Godspeeds where they basically have a bunch of stunt dudes in. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's literally like a bunch of two hundred pound dudes, two seventy five pound dudes, and then you see Art I mean, our, what is it? I can't. I don't know his real name. August, August. who's well, probably like a hundred eighty pound, hundred fifty pound dude. It's like that's not close. It's a bunch of stud dudes. Like we're not stupid. Come on, guys. Actually, August in the future has been uh, working out. Man, he's been hanging out with Clark Kent. Man, you know, before he, once he got his tires back. But it, it's like, okay, guys. I know you guys got to put budgets and stuff, but make this make sense. And then, all right, we have a whole season, whole year to write a whole complete season. Yeah, makes sense. Like it's as I keep saying. Look at how Supernatural it is. Like, hey, we can stretch villains more than one season. But at least kind of create filler episodes so like Team Citizen can have something to do. Chester is not so s- a lame version of Citizen. We got to like, get in.
0: We got to get into Chester in a whole different thing.
2: I mean, it's just like, okay, like, I mean, the fact that Cisco comes back to save the day, it's like, guys, like, that, that doesn't actually make Cisco, I mean, Chester look any better. Because, like, Cisco, hey, like, you guys, hey, I cut his legs off, like, as soon as it could be his moment. Like, Allegra, Cisco put her on Team Citizen. We don't need to have her in the fight. And just like, hey, that's Iris' subplot. Like, it works very well for Lois. Superman and Lois. Like she doesn't have to be all everything. It's like, hey, this is my role as a reporter. Like I don't think how they're just doing the dumbest and laziest thing to make a show that used to be very good into something that is. I I would I can truly say this. I would not watch that show next year if it wasn't for this podcast. So let's talk about Cisco.
0: The Flash has done a terrible job of making deaths, like, they they killed off any suspense. Probably with the third Wells, where it was like, oh, look, here's another one from another world. And it was like, well, who cares about the one who just died because we got another one. And it's like they just had spares that they kept churning out every season. And so we had this big dramatic departure for Cisco. I feel like that was maybe five, six episodes ago, which doesn't feel as long as that, feel like maybe three weeks because Carlos Valdez was taking time away anyway. So he would go on these long stretches where he wasn't even around. So I was like, oh yeah, Cisco's here. So having Cisco come and save the day, which I think is weird on a show called The Flash where Killer Frost and Cisco both have to bail Barry out when he's fighting the speedster. It's like maybe The Flash should be the hero. I mean, you don't see that on Supergirl where everyone else beside Alex. Saves the day. I just think it's weird. Like Barry should be more. Barry is more powerful than Vibe or Killer Frost, so I don't know why we're going through this. Also, why
2: did, why did Cisco give up his powers?
0: I was about to say, he's what's the entire crazy. point of him doing the rogue shot if he's always going to need his powers? Gunner, help me out.
3: Cisco should have his own show. It should have been developed and spun off another show called Vibe and have a whole lot of Hispanic people. And, you know, there you go. Diversity. No. Powerpuff Girls. Why not? Um, C.D.O. doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Glad Superman Lois is good. Flash used to be... Y'all know how sized I was when Barry Allen just randomly appeared on Arrow Season 3. And I was like, oh, word? And then the after credit scene or whatever that was. And I was like, Okay, they're going to have the show. Great. And then from season one, halfway through three, mostly three, I was like, this is probably the greatest show, superhero show on television right now at the time. To go all the way, I mean, you know, Arrow was tanking. I was not throwing on Legends anyway. I was just like, why don't you just have a League of Superheroes and call it a day Um, or Legion of Superheroes and call it a day, throw them in the future and boom, done. No, I wasn't too keen on that, but I was like, okay, time travel, let's see what happens. Oh, episode four, the black dude has just accepted. I'm like, oh, um, So I was just like, and I haven't really been a fan of Legends since, um, since episode four, seriously. So Flash still kept me going. Flash is like Kanye West to me. Like, I'm going to keep making excuses until I can't anymore, and I literally can't. I just can't. I can't make any more excuses, man. Like, this show's starting to, they don't know what they're doing. And it's like it's like, it feels like they're like, hey, source material? Yeah. As long as we got more speedsters, sure, but other than that, why not? Like, we should not be on Godspeed right now. Like, my God. We should actually be on Savitar. They did, they did it right. No, I'm saying, if they did it right, some oh. kind of community, something, we should have had a whole freaking season of Flashpoint, not just one or two episodes, and then Alchemy, and then Savitar, and then... I'm like, then here, and then I'm like, holy crap, y'all just threw so much in this season.
2: Yeah.
1: I think you and make a cool
3: point.
2: You know? like, <laughs> like, honestly, like as I said when they said Flashpoint is going to be one episode, it's like this really should impact at least half a season. Like everything that happened in that first episode could have been stretched out easily into four yeah. or five
3: episodes, and for it to impact, impacted the entire CW. <laughs> There yeah. reason for a crossover that season because the aliens were like, you screwed up. That's why we're here.
2: That, I said that crossover could have actually started at the end of Flashpoint and then wrapped up in Flashpoint, and then the next half of that season could have been Alchemy, and then go from there where you need to. <laughs>
0: Their real problem is they're ignoring stuff that they set up because you just mentioned the aliens came in because Barry went through time last one happened because barry cheated time this year barry wants to go through time just to check in on his future daughter where i don't understand how he zeroes in on which future Nora is alive like in the one that he knew she was dead she got killed from thawne so is he just randomly going i'll take this blue path and hope this is the earth that Nora's still alive on it doesn't make any sense. They are breaking rules that they themselves introduced, and right. it makes no sense. They have to do better. Hopefully next season, everybody just spend some time in the retreat. They go hang out with Candace Patton on her Instagram and figure this show out, because it should be better. Let's go to the good. Loki had its season finale today, and... We're going to go super spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, you haven't watched it, consider yourself warned for five, four, three, two, one. Injection, fellas. All right. If this is what we're doing with Marvel Studios, I don't think it's possible for any other rival to do anything. I mean, it's just a waste of time for DC to continue making movies for TV shows, for Netflix to find something, some comic book property and try to do something
1: for Hulu, for
0: Amazon, anybody. Because Marvel Studios goes, here's Black Widow. Black Widow makes $80 million in theaters. Black Widow makes $60 million from Disney+. Plus. It's like, listen, it doesn't even matter what we're on, players. We're making millions of dollars, millions, millions, millions. 60 million tops anything that was released in theaters since the pandemic started. You don't need anything else, just that 60 million from the streaming money alone. Then you have 80 million from people who are like, Yeah, I'll go to the theaters, I don't care. They're just killing it. And then they're like, Yo, let's put out, let's make our TV, let's take some of our characters in the movie universe, make them into TV shows. And we're just getting. Banger stuff, like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'd say now the best of the trio with Loki, which feels like a darn movie, and not only are they not caring about sticking to the formula of, we'll are using our movies to advance the next movie, I'm like, screw that. People are watching these TV shows on our streaming service which we're paying, making them pay for. And they'll pay to watch their movies on this thing, too, because we have so far got them that they're hooked. And I'm like, yes, you've got me. I'm hooked. They're using Loki to set up the whole vastness of Phase 4 because we're throwing out the reason for the whole premise of the plot of Loki Season 1 was to introduce... In a very subtle manner, the big villain for phase four. And not only that, it takes the entire concept of what we've been watching with Loki with new eyes. Like, oh, it was never about Loki in the first place. It was about, we've got to keep Kane the Conqueror, the Scarlet Centurion, Immortus, Rama Tut, in line. We can't let them come out, so we've got to keep scanning for Lokis and these other variants. We've got to protect it against these guys, because if they get out, it's a wrap. And everything in that context just makes, whoa. Like how Loki's not the main villain of the Infinity Saga. We're introduced to Loki, which is kind of like a nice (laughs) little circle thing. We're introduced to Loki first as a potential big villain. And it's like, oh, shoot, he's the big villain in Avengers. This makes sense. And he stays a presence throughout, but he's not. I mean, he gets... Dispatched just like that with a snap of my fingers by Thanos in Infinity War. And it's like, oh, shoot, Thanos is really the dude. And we're now on the verge of Kang or his other identities being the dude. And I'm so excited about what this holds. Jonathan Majors is doing this kind of wacky, eccentric performance. And I was like, this is a little off for Kang. And I was like, wait, dude, he's not Kang right now. You're, you're, you're going in with expectations based off what you read about Jonathan Majors playing Kang. They never promised he was Kang. They were like, he's going to cast. he's going to be Kang. But as Kang, he's so many other characters, too. And it just was like mind-blown, like, whoa! They can do so much now. And this is something that they used a TV show for, that they could not do in a movie. How blown away were you guys by this season finale? And I say season finale repeatedly because we are getting Loki season two. Gunner, what you think?
3: As soon as that elevator door opened, I was like, or before it opened, I was like, if it's not Kang, I have no clue who it's going to be. Just because of the assistant. Well, she's the assistant, but she's the head chick of TVA. But just because of that, I was like, that's a Kang person. You know what I mean? A Kang, what are they called? Um... Uh, a worshiper or whatever. Um, and I was like, it has to be Kang. And as soon as it opened the door, it was Majors. I was like, hey, it's Kang, but not really, which means they're going to spark it somehow. I was just like, I just need to watch. I don't care about the dialogue. I really just want to see how this happens. Then he told the story. And I was like, I'm like, okay, so this is like a real version of not really a Kang, but a nathaniel richards plus like right, like right, right like yeah so it had my brain going is nathaniel richards is, is is reed richards going to be black right you know what i mean i'm just like that's kind of exciting um just to kind hold, of hold I, no,
0: no 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 i i had news on this front. marvel studios is apparently yeah. wide open for the casting of the fantastic four and they are like it doesn't matter so if you It'll think Reed is white who cares he may not be. He may be Asian. He may be Latina. He may be black, too. And cause I, I thought that one major thing they messed up with this last one, one of the countless thousands, as many as variants of Kang, apparently, was Michael B. Jordan should have been Reed Richards. Not, oh boy, uh, Miles Teller. He would have been so better suited as Johnny Storm. Because Michael B. Jordan just pulls off cool, suave, intelligent, way more than Miles Tucker, who just seems goofy, and who should have Jerry Jonah Jameson yelling at him for not drumming hard enough. But yeah, oh. so this possibility does exist, Gunnar. Wide open for
3: it. Happy for it. I'm happy for it. Yeah, I love the ending, and he was just like, <laughs> see you soon. I was like, oh, yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that will probably be, like, phase four finale, like, Okay. Somebody, Nathaniel, although I still think he might have been a mortis and immor- mortis.
0: So I'm writing my review and because I'm not one of these clued in insiders who knows everything and then pretends that I do want to write it. Right. I'm looking up on different things like Marvel. And there is a character called He Who Remains who created the Timekeepers, and is responsible for checking variants. That person, to my knowledge and from what I read, is not tied in whatsoever as one of the variants of Kang. So it's a different no. character. We've seen Marvel do this before with Whiplash and Crimson Dynamo where they merge characters the way they see fit. Like, it still feels like maybe they merge Sylvie with Enchantress
1: mm-hmm.
0: create one character who's two different ones in the Marvel Universe. Maybe. But it seems like, okay, that's an interesting thing, and there's so many ways they could go with this.
2: Marvel's done a great job of using their TV to set up everything where it's it's just so annoyingly good. We all we all knew who was cast as Kang, and then we see him like, Oh gosh, this makes sense. And then I was even like when I was listening to this time, like, this doesn't seem like Kang the Conqueror. And he's like, I have been called these things. But it's only because of my variance. It isn't me. But if you decide, I mean, it's like he does the actual palpating. If you kill me, I'm going to tell you there's a whole lot of worse after me. And when Sylvie actually makes that choice, which actually is like Loki and her, I think you did a great job on uh, making that dynamic on LilesMovieFile.com. Okay. Uh, but when you actually, like, Loki can't be trusted because he's Loki. Sylvie can't trust him because he's Loki. So she makes a call, and then he's like, you're going to see me again. See you soon. And that was really like, you're going to see Kang the Conqueror who is basically like, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be in the band. If it's You guys let him out. of The genie that I've been keeping in the bottle, you guys let him out. You guys could have ruled the timeline. You guys had your own little fun. But you killing me Instead of letting me just retire and go my own way, literally you, you guys started uh, phase four of Marvel's props. It it, it it wasn't me.
0: And I think what was really interesting was well, the first thing was that he who remains Essence didn't pass through Sylvie when she cut him and killed him with the blade. That was a Rise of Skywalker joke for you, bro.
2: Uh, Jeff, that doesn't actually happen. Now, no. That didn't happen in any movie.
0: Oh, right, right. My fault. Sorry. Um, But what I'm I thought sorry. was cool was there was, I did feel this Star Wars thing where I felt like he was very Palpatine-esque, and we had this kind of re- Return of the Jedi thing where they don't, where re- Loki and Sylvie really don't want to fight each other, and because I know how deeply in love with Star Wars Kevin Feige is, I wonder if he was like, man, we'll try that dynamic, too. I mean, it's like space and stars and it's all these pretty colors going on in the backdrop. No X-Wings battling TIE Fighters. But I kind of got that tone. But he, I feel like maybe he was so bored that he's like, you know what? I'll know what I'll do. I'll play with these two variants who I know I can manipulate into creating chaos. And I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to unleash all these variants to myself. Because I feel like either way he was going to screw them. But they were going to be screwed either way. Like, two Lokis weren't going to be able to coexist and rule together in harmony. They were just going to mess up at some point. Or we just see what happens when he who remains is killed and every bit of chaos that erupts from them. And this is going to touch into Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Scarlet Witch, and we're already seeing from Black Widow, How things are going to connect on a smaller level with Hawkeye. What's going to happen with Captain America and the Winter Soldier on a smaller scale. I guess we're setting up all these different layers, which I really like and appreciate how Marvel Studios does things. Because we've got the street level character, Spider-Man, talking Captain America, and the Winter Soldier. We've got Hawkeye. We're going to have Moon Knight, Miss Marvel and she's going to go up in space with Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau. So we get to this, and we're going to have Secret Invasion, scrolls coming loose, so we're tying in the street and space, and then we're going to freaking multiverse with Kang. I mean, it's just like, dude. She-Hulk. I mean, She-Hulk, we've got so much stuff, and they can't put together more than one good DC show at a time. I mean, right. you, you're
1: right.
2: just like, we have how many years worth of Filming product ready to go right now, and DC can't figure out if they're making made of Steel 3. I mean, sorry, made of Steel 2. <laughs> they're like,
0: well, do we really want to do that? I don't think so. And we have the fans doing hashtags, begging them to do this stuff. No one in Marvel Studios has to beg the fans anything. It's like, you want to put an alligator in Loki? Awesome. Let's do it. Such synergy with their universe that Chris Hemsworth does a does the voice for the Thor frog just because. Sure, why not? Like, what level of craziness do they have where they have one of their biggest stars just do butter utterances for a frog because he's a voice of Thor? I mean, it's, and they've got what if coming up where they're going. Yo, imagine if T'Challa was part of the the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, or if. Peggy Carter was Captain Britain. Let's do that, too. Or Killmonger saved Tony Stark when he was about to get the shrapnel in his heart and never became Iron Man. And it's like, that's going to be great because Marvel Studios is doing it. And not only is Marvel Studios doing it, they got their freaking cast doing the voice for the characters. It's going to be one of Chadwick Boseman's last performances. And it's going to be awesome because he's on it. They don't have the Black Panther stand-in voice actor. Coming I in mean, it, we've got the actual cast, so it's just—it is a Marvel Studios world. Everybody else is looking for the scraps, trying to figure out where they
2: are. At this point, I'm just figuring out, like, if you're a film student, you are—you really have to look at, all right, 20 years of actually making great content, a billion-dollar franchise that, base—I I still say, like, it actually helped make the Fox acquisition possible. Because Marvel and Disney made so much money based on this that they could afford to buy a uh, Fox who had been reluctant to sell. I, I, I just think like, who
3: bought their Mrs. properties so- to, you know, who bought some of the Marvel, not Marvel. Yeah, bought some of the properties to be able to do, you know, so Marvel can like eat. <laughs> Remember, it sold stuff off to Sony and Fox and now they bought it back. But you know what I think the is, on shop situation I've ever heard in my life. The
0: craziest part of this is Paramount Pictures had the Avenger films. They had right. everything, and with right. the Avengers, they're like, "Oh yeah, Disney go for it." If Paramount was just like, um, "No, nah, we're, we're, we're not interested in selling. We're going to hold on to this billion dollar license. Thanks though. we're good. They would have Mission Impossible and the then the Marvel franchise.
2: But also, you have to remember, if Paramount had actually done it, they wouldn't have had to seek outside financing for Star Trek 4. They would already have that money in the bag. They would have already been a Chris Pine um, Star Trek because it would have already been there. So if people may, you know,
0: maybe there's a real split between Paramount Plus and Disney Plus or whatever. They have Paramount streamers. I don't care because they don't have Marvel stuff. They don't, have, they don't have Star Wars. But maybe things would have changed drastically if they just held on to that. And we're like, no, no, we're good. Thank you, though. <laughs> Interesting questions. Um, Let's talk real fast about the Emmys. Because I don't know how we managed, but we're always going long. This was a crazy year for nominations. There's so many black people in just about every category. And I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be amazing that in so many of these cases, the voters are going to have to choose between the two white guys instead of the one black guy. So, of course, we had some interesting suggestions or nominations, none more so than my nominee for the Dummies of the Week. So I'm just going to get it out of the way where we have our limited series category. Guest actor. We have Timothy Oliphant from The Mandalorian. Great choice. Really love Cobb. Wanted to see him more. Carl Weathers, Mandalorian. Also, great choice. I'm always excited to see him show up. Nice to see some love for The Mandalorian. Courtney B. Vance, Lovecraft Country. Also good guest actor. I still think Michael Williams, Michael Kenneth Williams, should 100% get that best supporting actor. There are other good nominees, but to me, he's the choice. Giancarlo Esposito is a close number two, though, because... Man, Bob Giddy is a great villain. We got Charles Dance for the Crown. But the one shocker that had everybody stunned, including the nominee himself, was Don Cheadle for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And everyone who watched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, including myself, thought that there is absolutely zero chance that Carl Lumby would not be omitted from a nomination simply from the line of America will never want a black Captain America and no self-respecting black man would ever want it be. Like, that line just is chills through the spine. Mind blown. Like, what is the clip for the Carl Lundy about going to the Winter Soldier? That's what they show. And instead, they have Don Cheadle showing up for like two seconds going, what up? Yeah, um, we need a hero. I don't even know what, what line they're going to show for him with that because, I mean, Don Cheadle was like, I don't get it either. Help me out, fellas. How did this one make it through? Oh, go for it,
3: Gunner. I think it was one of the occasions where they, you know, there were, you know, like we've been in those situations where there's, like, two black dudes in the workplace for a couple of years, and he just mistake you for the other one all the time. Even uh, Mad Men made fun of that a little bit with the two black women in the in the room, and they would call each other by different names and joking. I think they just picked the wrong black dude and just forgot. I honestly, I mean it's, it's still it's still the same committee, right? That's still picking these things. I think they were like, "Oh, it's one of these flying negroes." I don't know. Let's get that. Let's do that one. He was a star, right? I literally think that's what happened, and they're just leaning into it.
2: Jace, help us make sense of this. Oh, you want sense? No, I don't have that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think yeah, that is one of those. It, it, it's, it's really like one of those. Like, hey, somebody should have, like, hey, guys, this guy is in this series for maybe five minutes. The other guy has actual scenes we can actually show in a, you know, awards context. Like, that line there is that scene where you actually see the emotion and you're like, yeah, we feel that. Like, and then especially how it, Frank, goes into the rest of the series. Oh, we got. Uh, Don Cheadle. Hey, man. Glad you gave a shield up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was cool to see him, but it was like, there was
0: nothing in that performance that stood out to me. Yeah,
2: I, I think that's it's like one of those... It's probably one of those scenarios. It's like, once everybody called in, it, it's like, uh, we kind of made a mistake. Like, let's just call him mulligan a mulligan. We made a mistake. Here's who we met. Like, let's not continue this mistake. Like, let's say, hey, we made a mistake. Let's go rectify this now. Because I think you said who you think should actually get it. It's not Don Cheadle. And it's not Carl Lumby. So it's like, just make the, make a mistake. I mean, you rectify your mistake and, and move from there.
0: I think one of the problems was the voters know Don Cheadle. Oh yeah, Don Cheadle. And Carl Lumby requires doing work. You could watch the first episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier to see Don Cheadle. You have to watch in 2000 Winter soldiers to see Carl Lundley, and that's where they messed up. All right, fellas, I've already told you my nomination. Who are your nominees for Dummies
2: of the Week? Oh. Man, mine's easy. Um, my nominee of the week is uh, Stephen A. Smith. for saying the face of baseball is not the face of baseball because he needs an, uh, an interpreter the dude who's actually leading the major leagues in home runs and is striking everybody out can't be the face of baseball because baseball is a global sport because he needs an interpreter Stephen a smith recognized he was going to be he is the dummy of the week who we made a quick apology but it's like there should have been somebody on tv's like are you insane dude like let's go to commercial so we can smack Stephen a and tell him he's an idiot and then he'll come back and say he's not he's an idiot
0: you know, I'm not sure what it is, but I get very infuriated when black people in positions in the media say dumb stupid racist stuff. Cause it's like, why are you doing this? You literally had to climb through gutter trash and stupid comments to get to where you are. So why would you then turn around and, well, I'm gonna say all this crazy stuff about other races? He's like, dude, come on. Where's the hand to help other people? And, I mean, you shouldn't be having to, oh, pass me the torch so I can hit down other people
2: for trying to make moves and come up.
0: It's like,
2: like? Jason Whitlock does that all the damn time. And it's like, Whitlock's stick. Yeah, it's like, really, like, just, like, you don't need to carry that, like, you don't need to carry that metaphorical torch. Like, yo, just, like, accept it Jason what does a little soft shit routine.
0: Gunner, who
3: you got? Uh, I think Stephen A. Smith takes the cake. That's fine. I mean, this idiot. Exactly. I mean, he's been doing that for a little while, too, and then trying to save face here and there. But, no, he's still a Bama. He's still Bama the week. Dummy of the week. He still works.
0: Fellas, thank you, as always, for rolling with me. Thank you all out there for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files
1: has been filed.